We remind ourselves of the Lord's commands uh, from Exodus chapter 20 and verses 1 uh, through to 17. 1 to 17. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Our reading is uh, from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, and we'll read the first uh, 14 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness 
of sins. I want to look at part of this section in Colossians chapter uh, 1 that we read, but to begin with I want to refer uh, to another letter of Paul, uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, where Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Worry about nothing. Worry about nothing by praying about everything with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God. Praying about all matters, all things, along with thanksgiving. This is what Paul taught. This is what Paul preached. And it is what Paul practiced. This is exactly what he's doing in the passage that we want to consider together today. And that's Colossians 1 and verses 9 to the beginning of verse 12. Prayer with thanksgiving. Prayer with thanksgiving. Just to set the scene of the letter, the letter opens with uh, uh, his greeting in verses 1 and 2, his greeting to the church at Colossae. Uh, Then he goes on to uh, give thanks, but it's uh, uh, Paul uh, uh, likes to elaborate uh, when he does things, and he extends uh, thanksgiving to God in verses 3 to 8 for the faith for the love and for the hope that is evident among the Colossian believers. Uh, He says that the word of truth, the gospel, is evident in their lives as they are bringing forth fruit. Their faith is evidenced by how they live, by their works. So verses 3 to 8 which gives us the introduction. Um, It's one long sentence uh, in the Greek. The passage that we're going to look at is is verses 9 to 12, but from verses 9 to 14, it's the next sentence. It's one long sentence. So his introduction is made up of these two uh, long sentences. Uh, We're going to consider uh, verses 9 to 12 Uh, this morning, and God willing, uh, the rest of verse 12 down to 14 uh, this evening. But first of all, uh, we have Paul's prayer, verses 9 uh, to the beginning of verse 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Verse 9 begins, For this reason... For this reason, uh, or because of this, and he's referring back to 
the, what he's just said in verses 4 uh, to 8. Because of this. Because of what? Because of the encouraging news uh, that he's heard about the Colossians, which has been brought to him by Epaphras from Colossae. Paul is in prison in Rome, and Epaphras has traveled from Colossae to Rome and brought this news of what is going on in the church uh, back home. And he says in verse 9, we also, we also, as well as giving thanks to God for the Colossians, which he says in verse 3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. So uh, we also, as as well as giving thanks for them, we also do not cease to pray for you and to ask. So we're praying for you and we're asking on your behalf. And he's using two words, which is basically prayer and supplication. Uh, Praying in general. We're praying in general for you as a body of of, uh, uh, the church. We're praying for you in particular matters, supplications, uh, calling out to God with petitions on your behalf. The news that has been brought to him uh, through uh, Epaphras had prompted Paul to pray for them in verse 9, as well as for giving thanks for them in verses 3 to 4. He says, we do not cease. We don't stop. We haven't stopped. We continue to pray for you. He doesn't mean that um, they're, they're praying without any interruption, uh, but that their prayers for them are, are regular and they're frequent. And it's just by, 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 the, by the way, if you read through the rest of Colossians, you'll discover that Paul most likely hadn't gone to Colossae. He hopes to go there at some point, but he hasn't been there. So he's asking and he's praying for people that he's never met. He wouldn't recognize them in the street. But he says, we don't stop praying for you without ceasing. He has been encouraged by the news that have come, has come through Epaphras. Uh, about how they're developing spiritually, how they're growing. Uh, But there is also matters of concern. And the concern that uh, Epaphras has brought to him uh, about his brothers back in Colossae is that there has been this threat of false teaching creeping in, uh, uh, attempting to corrupt their spiritual progress. Um, But... He's encouraged, he's concerned, and he has a general interest in the work that's going on there. He says, ever since, ever since he had heard about their faith, it had moved him to pray for them and to go on praying for them. Well, in verse 9, we have the first matter that he prays for them, and it is that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He's praying that they would know God's will, that they would know God's wisdom, that they would have spiritual understanding. That is, spirit 
given wisdom and understanding. These teachers that were threatening this congregation in Colossae, um, they, they were introducing, it seems to be, that they were an early form of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was... Uh, the, they, they tried to uh, put the idea that if you wanted to get close to God, if you wanted to grow spiritually, then you needed to have a special knowledge. You had to, to have a, a wisdom, uh, special insights in order to grow spiritually. And in, as he goes on in the course of the letter, he says they're using persuasive words. It seems to be as if some of the people were being duped by these teachers. They were listening to them. They were being persuaded. They were being carried off in another direction. And Paul here, right at the very beginning of his letter to them, he's saying, I'm praying that you would be filled with the only knowledge that you truly need. And that is the knowledge of God's will. With all wisdom and understanding. Not a worldly wisdom from unspiritual men. He talks about these men or these teachers in chapter 2 and verse 18 as people with fleshly minds. That, the word flesh refers to those who are thinking like the way of the world. They're thinking like unbelievers. These people have come in and they're trying to get them to move in a direction which is just in keeping with the way of the world. Paul's saying, I don't want you to have a worldly wisdom. I want you to have a wisdom from God. He's praying that they would be filled with the only knowledge that they truly needed the will, knowledge of God's will. He prays that they may f be filled with this knowledge. Back in verse 6, Paul had said that the Colossians, that they had heard, they had heard and they knew the grace of God in truth. They have known, they have come to know, they heard it and they have come to know the grace of of God's truth. Now his prayer is that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that they would have a deep and abiding understanding of God's will. Well, how can they know what God's will is? It's through God's revelation. It's through the revelation of Jesus Christ and all that Christ means for the Colossians. And if you, if you read the letter, it'll take you five or eight minutes to read the whole letter. If, if you read the whole letter, you'll see that again and again how Paul is trying to correct these errors in the church is pointing them back to Christ again and again, back to Christ, back to the truth of God's word. Chapter 1 and verse 21, he says that they were at one time aliens. They were outsiders. They were foreigners outside of Christ. They were enemies in their minds. They were hostile in their thinking towards God and towards his word. But they've been changed. They were outsiders, aliens, hostile. But they've been changed. Verse 21, they've been reconciled. They've been brought into a relationship with God. 
How? Verse 22, through the death of Christ. And how did this reconciliation come about? Verse 23, they believed. They believed. They changed their minds. They changed their thinking towards God and towards his word. It came through the gospel. The change came through the gospel which they had heard. The gospel came to them. They came to know God or know about God. And that's how their relationship began with this knowledge. The knowledge of God which came to them through the gospel. And Paul's saying, that's where you started. That's where you need to keep uh, going back to. Now he desires them to be filled with this knowledge. He wants them to have a clear knowledge, a deeper knowledge of God's will. That's how they began their journey of faith, coming into contact with the revealed uh, uh, will of God in the gospel. And so he wants them to continue in that way increasingly. If we're to, 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 to stay in the truth and to be kept from error, if we're to grow in our relationship with God, it's through the truth, through the knowledge of his will which comes to us through his word. We need to pray this for ourselves as well as for others so that we will not be deceived by worldly wisdom, by fleshly minds, by the way that the world thinks, by the way that the world behaves. The world is pressing on us all the time. We're being bombarded with messages from the world. This is how we ought to be living in order to have a fulfilled life. This is what we need. This is what we need to be doing. All sorts of messages. We're not to be deceived by worldly wisdom, by fleshly minds. But having come to know the grace of God through the gospel, we're to go on in this way and to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, knowing God, knowing his ways, knowing his instructions through the revelation of his will, which is in his word and in his son, Jesus Christ. Getting wisdom and understanding from the Spirit, not a worldly wisdom, not a fleshly wisdom. Exodus chapter 31 and verses 2 to 3 are uh, particular special verses, encouraging verses to me. Um, Hugh mentioned that on Thursday evening the, there's going to be uh, all being well. Uh, God willing, uh, David will be back to health and strength and will be able to uh, conduct this outreach meeting in Woodstock Road. Um, and I, from my understanding, he's going to be looking at each of the books of C.S. Lewis, but tying them in with particular <laughs> psalms. And it says that there's going to be songs. I think there's a little wee leaflet uh, there that Hugh might have. Um, they're going to tie, tie, tie in these uh, books with, with psalms. There's going to be singing of the psalms, uh, some readings. Um, there's some artwork. Um, some of the artwork is, is mine. And uh, um, maybe my son and my daughter will have stuff there uh, as well, just to something to, to show on, on the wall. 
Um, but Exodus 31 is really encouraging because uh, sometimes people uh, that do art or creative things, uh, some people see them as lesser beings. You know, they're just, they're just playing. They're just messing about. You know, they go away and get a real job. Uh, Exodus 31, verses 2 to 3, uh, this man, Bezalel. This is what the Lord tells Moses about Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works. Praise God. Praise God. Not every one of us is a mathematician or a scientist. Praise God for arty people. Gifted by God. Gifts from God to use for his glory and for his honour. And so he gifted Bezalel. David prays for his son Solomon for the building of the temple in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 11 and 12. May the Lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you, only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. So Bezalel was given wisdom and understanding. Solomon was given wisdom and understanding. But this wisdom and understanding isn't just limited to a select few uh, giants in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you want to know that you're thinking right, that your head is right, it begins by fearing God. Not terrified of God, fearing God in awe of God. Worship of God. Proverbs 2 verses 1 and 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you may incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Verse 6. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. How do we get knowledge and understanding? How do we get wisdom from his mouth? from God's word, from God's word. So let's pray for ourselves and let's pray for others to be filled with the knowledge of God, for spirit-given wisdom and understanding so that we can discern the truth and we can make good decisions based on that truth as we negotiate our way through a, a maze of fake news and fake messages that the world throws at us to deceive us and to distract us from God's will for us. In the next part of his prayer, verse 10, Paul prays for what should come out of knowing the knowledge of God's will, for the outcome of knowing the will of God, of being equipped with wisdom and of understanding from the Spirit of God. What's going to come out? It will produce it will produce a transformation in our lives. As we seek this wisdom, this understanding from God's word, it will bear fruit. It will transform us, transform our lives. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy, worthy of the Lord. 
Paul uses the word walk. And it's a, it was a very common Jewish and a biblical way of speaking. Um, it's, it's a way of describing a person's life, uh, a person's lifestyle. Uh, it's pictured as a road uh, along which one travels. Um, I came across it one time, and I, I haven't been able to find my way back to it, um, but uh, apparently there were a group of Dutch painters, and they, they would always have a road in the picture. Uh, and it was a, they did it as a, a way of describing life. So it wasn't just a nice landscape. It was always referring to life. A road. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 10 to 20, uh, gives us this contrast of two different paths the way of evil, uh, the way of darkness, which leads to death, and then compares it with the, or contrasts it with the way of goodness, the way of righteousness, which the writer says is the path of life. Psalm 1 contrasts two ways uh, of life. Jesus contrasts the broad way and the narrow way. In Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14, two ways. The walk of the Colossians, the way of the believer, is to be worthy of the Lord. In other places, Paul uses this picture again and again. Um, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, um, he talks about the believer living in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Let your conduct let your behavior be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 1, worthy of their calling. I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12, worthy of God. Walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So the question for each one of us here today, whether you're standing in the pulpit or you're sitting in the pew, is how is it with you? How is it with you? How is our walk with the Lord? Are we walking? Are we living? Are we behaving in such a way that it is worthy of the Lord? that it is worthy of God, that it is worthy of the gospel of Christ, that it is worthy of our great and high calling? Are we living in a manner worthy of the Lord and all that he has done for us? Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Fully pleasing him seeking to please him in everything that we do, that we say, that we think. Paul speaks about God, or uh, he speaks about pleasing God uh, in his other letters as well. But just to note one, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 8, he tells us what is not pleasing to God. What is not pleasing to God? This is what he says there. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And as I've already said, that word flesh 
is referring to those who are in the world. They're not spiritual. They don't belong to the kingdom of God. They're still in the world. They're in the flesh. So those who are in the flesh, the unbeliever cannot please God. The truth of the matter is, if you are an unbeliever here today, if you have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, if you're not trusting in him, it's great that you're at church because when you're here, you hear the truth of God's word, God speaking to you. But just because you're at church doesn't mean that you're pleasing God. Because those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Nothing you can do or could do is pleasing to him. No amount of good works, no amount of charity, no amount of looking after others pleases him because what is important is you haven't trusted you haven't trusted him you don't trust his word you haven't trusted his son he has told us his son is the only way the only life the only truth and you haven't trusted him so how can you please him in all these other things you're trying to do to please God they don't please him How can you ever hope to get right with God? How can you hope to earn favour with God? He says that if you're not part of Christ, if you're not part of his son, if you're not in relationship with his son, you cannot please him. So you need to trust him. You need to trust Christ. And as we said earlier, the Son is fully pleasing to him. And those who are in him are fully pleasing to the Lord. In the rest of verses 10, 11, and the beginning of verse 12, Paul gives us four characteristics of a life that is worthy of the Lord. So what is it to to walk worthy of the Lord? What is it to be fully pleasing to him? Well, he tells us these four. Bearing fruit... Verse 10, uh, growing in the knowledge of him, being strengthened, verse 11, and then verse 12, giving thanks. Back in verse 6, Paul has already referred to uh, the Colossians bearing fruit and growing. But now his prayer is for them to continue being fruitful in every good work and growing, increasing in the knowledge of God. In verse 6, his, his focus is much more general. It's the outworking, excuse me, the outworking of the gospel in the Colossians and in all the world. Whereas in verse 10, he's, he's zooming in and he's thinking here about this bearing fruit and growth within each believer. He's thinking of the individual believer, not so much believers as a whole. Verse 10, this is a life worthy of the Lord. Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit, how? 
in every good work. That's how our Saviour was known. He went about doing good. We're to bear fruit as we grow in his likeness by, by doing good. We're to grow in the knowledge of God, to, 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 to determine to, to learn more about him, to learn about his ways, to learn how to walk more closely with him. Then in verse 11, being strengthened with all might. Uh, and this, this verse is about might and it's about power and it's a mighty and it's a powerful verse being strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, with all might, all might, all power. This word that he uses here for all, it has the sense of a complete or unlimited power. We could say that Paul is praying here that they would be strengthened by God with the greatest strength imaginable. It's a, it's a strength that is not their own. It's a strength that has come from outside of them. The word that he uses here for might, with all might, is a word that is usually associated with God himself in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 6 verse 16, Paul speaks of God's everlasting power. And it's the exact same word. And he's praying for these Colossians that they would know this power and this might in their lives. A power that belongs to God. Why does Paul pray for them to be strengthened in this way? Well, at the end of verse 11, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. For all patience and long-suffering with joy, strengthened so that they may have great patience and endurance. Because life is tough. Life is hard. Life is full of pains and sorrows and hardships. And if we're to, to bear up, if we're to, to keep going, we need a strength that's not our own, but the power and the might of God. Again, Paul uses the word all, all might, verse 11. All patience, the end of verse 11. All might, unlimited power, the greatest strength imaginable. And all patience, all long-suffering, the very greatest patience and endurance possible, the ability to be able to bear up under the most difficult of circumstances, able to persevere, to keep going and not to give up. This is the man who, who wrote to the Philippians and said, Rejoice! Again, I say rejoice. And we, we need to always remember, where was he writing this from? He was writing it from prison and he's writing to people who are free, who are on the outside, and he's saying, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. He was rejoicing in God's providence for his life at that time. Think of all the things that Paul had to endure in his life, all the trials that he went through. And here's his secret. Here's the secret. How was he able to keep going 
to get up after a beating, after a stoning, and to go out and to do it again. Because he was getting this strength, this might and power from God for all patience and for long-suffering with all joy. Do we pray for ourselves and for one another and for others to bear fruit, to grow in knowledge, to be strengthened by God with his power, to have patience and endurance in the most difficult of situations? Paul hadn't met these people face to face and yet look at his heart for them. Look at his concern for them. And then finally in verse 12, the fourth characteristic of someone who's living a life worthy of the Lord, it's someone who's giving thanks. Giving thanks to the Father. Because all that the believer has received is is not earned. It's not deserved. It's all a gift. A gift from God. So let's learn to pray for ourselves and for others to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and understanding, to walk worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened to be patient and endure, and all the while giving thanks. When we do that and trust God, we'll grow. We'll grow. And we will become beacons of light to those in darkness all around us as we are transformed and as we are changed more and more into the likeness of our Saviour. To his name be all the glory and the honour.